the most trusted voice in professional wrestling. Look at this! More than four decades behind the mic. Plain and simple. With unrivaled success in broadcasting. From ringside to the boardroom to the New York Times bestsellers list. What an impact! Keen insight with a sharp tongue. And if they're smart, they'll listen. Westwood One Podcast Network presents... The Jim Ross Report <laughs> with WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross and now the man himself, good old JR. Yes, indeed. Hello again, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Jim Ross Report here on Westwood One. I uh, appreciate however you're listening, whether it be uh, at uh, Apple Podcasts, the Westwood One app, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or however you get your particular slobber knocker audio and there's a lot of good stuff out there especially right here on this uh westwood one company uh we love those uh, five-star ratings by the way they make me feel like a young football recruit of which i'm not young nor a recruit and so interesting show today for the first time uh in all the years i've been doing podcasts and uh, right after stone cold steve austin talked me into getting into podcasting a few years ago right after he started, I have been wanting to do more interaction with the, uh, with our listeners and our fans. So for whatever reason, I'm just now getting around to doing a show dedicated to your mailbag. And, uh, we mentioned that last week. I mentioned on social media, uh, on Twitter at J R S B B Q. And you responded overwhelmingly. We could probably do 10 shows. Seriously, I bet 10 shows easily for, uh, using this uh, theme. So we got that much response. We appreciate it. So thank you very much for that. So, uh, Sean Creedle, and I think Raphael Morphy also contributed on these, uh, questions going through the process of selecting the right questions. So if I don't get to your question here on this show this week, then you can feel free to tweet Sean and chew his ass. It's, it's his deal. Got to live with it, <laughs> but we may, if we may do this again sometime. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. Uh, I hope you like it. I think it'll be fun. I have not really read the questions. I've glanced at how many there were, and I think we have a good, uh, a good number, uh, to give all of us a little bit of a feeling for what people are thinking about and what they want to talk about. And to me, that's, that's, uh, extremely interesting. That's why on these Q and a shows, like we're doing, like the King and I are doing on Saturday at noon at the Gotham comedy club in New York city, you know, the, the fans write the script. We just follow along. Not, not unlike when he and I did commentary, you know, give us the match. We don't need to know all the particulars and we'll follow along with what we're seeing and add a narrative to it. So that's kind of the way these Q and A's work. It's almost a lazy man's way of performing quite frankly, but what you hope happens is that your Q and A's result in a, another story connected to that. So it all ties together with some sort of creative symmetry, if you will. So, uh, a lot to get to let's do that right now, because here's what's on my mind. Well, I guess I got to start off by letting you know my latest, uh, update on my employment situation. Are you as Sutton or an errand boy? Are you an employee or an independent contractor? We'll talk about that too. I got some thoughts on the John Oliver piece from HBO, but as many of you know, cause I talked about it here enough, the, my contract with WWE ended 
uh, last Friday at midnight. And, uh, I spent the day with the camera crew there uh, doing a, uh, just my answering a bunch of questions for, uh, a, a, apparently an undertaker, uh, documentary. It's going to be amazing. I can promise you based on what I heard. Uh, so we did that, you know, about five or six hours, five or six hours shoot. So then my, uh, my contract ended at midnight and then on Saturday morning, uh, the camera crew from AEW was in my house, uh, taping some content, which, uh, obviously coincided with me signing my contract, uh, to become a member of the team there at AEW and I'm on the payroll as we speak. And so I was unemployed a few hours and, uh, happy to be back in the saddle and back in the game. All I ever really wanted was just to play, you know, I just want to stay, I want to stay involved. And when, if, when you guys get, some of you are so much younger than me, it's hard to understand maybe some of my logic here. And I don't want you just to roll your eyes and, and uh, piss it off because this kind of important at some point in your life, you will understand that you are on that back nine and you've done more things in your life to date than you have the time left to do more tomorrow. And our tomorrows are never guaranteed, right? We say that here every week. So my point is I just needed to be involved. I needed to be on the team. I needed to, I want to play. I want to contribute. Uh, one of the great joys of my entire career was recruiting and mentoring and signing, uh, talents. Now I don't have any idea if I'm going to be doing all that as a, my title is senior advisor, uh, I, but I can, I can converse with talent. I can address talent's issues. I can be that, uh, mentor. I've been there and I've done that. I have seen it all. And, uh, and I loved every minute of it, even the bad times. So it's all a part of that great journey that I'm still on. Thank God. So I'm going to work for AEW. I'll be doing play by play for their uh, wrestling shows. Uh, and also working as a senior advisor and uh, working closely with, uh, Tony Khan and his staff and all those EVPs he's got hired. So it'll be fun. And I did a th show this week, uh, the YouTube show that, uh, AEW is producing. I, I, I am in it this week. So, uh, check out that footage from, from my, the home visit. I think that might be the first time that I ever had, uh, anybody in my house filming things. seems like it might be, but I don't know why I brought that up. Jan would not, Jan would have had to shoot have clean the house. Before those guys got there, she would have cleaned the house in the middle of them being there. And then she'd have cleaned the house again, uh, once they left and that would have got her big time cleaning. So she just kind of little angle on that deal. God bless her. So I'm really happy that, uh, the con family has confidence in my abilities to tell a story, to do play by play and the other things that I really embrace doing. I realize I can't do play by play forever, but I can damn sure do it for the length of this contract, which is three years without any problem, but along the way, I get a chance to truly give back to some young men and women who want to do exactly the same thing that I have done. And that is to live their dream. And there's nothing better than helping facilitate people to live their dream. All those guys that we signed when I was in charge of talent relations, we had a great team in talent relations and we got results. We recruited and signed and trained and developed new talents. And it's, it's amazing to me, uh, at the end of the day, how many of those guys 
were going to be in the hall of fame. It's going to be dotted with those folks because they were that good. And it's already being, uh, populated by our signees and our recruits and people that were on a roster. And I say our roster, the team effort could start with Vince on down. But the one thing about that, he let me do my job. And we had, and I got, and I mentioned before, it's never acapella. It's a team effort. So, uh, great run there. New run. Now I'm bound for AEW and uh, I look forward to the days ahead and getting my ass back to work. Also in the news, uh, a lot of questions on this John Oliver piece on HBO. First of all, uh, John Oliver is a hell of a, hell of a talented guy. Great talents, funny, great comedic timing, great voice control inflection. He's just a classic entertainer. He reminds me of a classically trained, uh, a British comedian or comedic actor, very, very talented, obviously a wrestling fan at, uh, some important times of his very impressionable life. That's good. I thought a lot of what he said was spot on. I did not like his, uh, generalization of the description of Vince McMahon. I didn't, I didn't. And look, if anybody, anybody could say something about Vince, I could theoretically say something that might be considered uh, factual because of the experiences I've had, you know, he's let me go a couple three times. I didn't like it at the time. Can't say he was wrong on all of his decisions either. Uh, I wasn't easy to manage quite frankly. And so, but nonetheless, uh, I thought the descriptions of Vince being, you know, someone seemingly uncaring, uh, is just not true. The piece had a lot of truth to it though. It is hard to justify, uh, based on the rules that were read on the, this, this report on John Oliver, it's hard to justify how you can remotely think that someone under a WWE contract is truly under the auspices of how the law is written and was announced truly an independent contractor. I can't make that argument. So at the end of the day, I enjoyed the, uh, piece on HBO. Uh, I think it will create uh, a need for probably addressing again in some sort of public forum at some point sooner than later from WWE, because I would believe that Vince has always been very proactive. Uh, more often than not in dealings with me anyway, uh, that I think that, uh, it's obvious that, that this matter needs to be addressed in a more, you know, in a, in a more timely manner. So there's a lot of elements to the story, but the bottom line should always be the welfare of your talent. There's no more important asset in the total sports entertainment business than one talent and two television. As I said, a very busy week this week. I'll be in New York City for uh, about six days and looking forward to all that uh, activity. Uh, a lot of media. Boy, I'm doing a lot of media there. Uh, I'm going to be on the Taz and Moose on CBS, uh, the CBS radio network on Friday at 8 o'clock in the morning. That's Eastern time. For those of you that are regulars to the Taz and Moose show, then hope you'll tune in as usual and uh, hear a conversation amongst old friends. And then, uh, I'm actually gonna have a little breakfast meeting on Friday with Fox Can't talk about that. Can I, uh, Sirius XM. I can't wait. That's going to be my favorite parts of the whole week. I'm doing an hour in the studio at 11 o'clock Eastern time, uh, on Sirius XM channel 93, 
with uh, Dave LaGreca and his wonderful crew. And we'll talk all about uh, my new AEW business, uh, WrestleMania, and all the shows we're doing, and their birthday party, and all kinds of good stuff. So that'll be this Friday at 11 Eastern time. It'll be repeating uh, on, on the Sirius XM right afterwards, as it always does. And then at 2 o'clock on Friday, I'll be uh, with uh, Carlin, Maggie, and Bart. They got a great show there on WFAN. Every button, I had at least two buttons, seriously, two buttons set on WFAM when I was uh, living in Connecticut. It traveled with me everywhere, everywhere. It was great. Man, what a, what a blowtorch, a hell of a signal. Then, you know, we've got the show Saturday at noon with Lawler at the Gotham Comedy Club. You know, King and I look at this thing like, hey, I don't know how many more we got. We're going to be able to work schedule-wise and all that good stuff. But we got one Saturday, and we'd like you to come join us. And tickets are available at the door. Gotham Comedy Club, uh, the VIP meet and greet starts at 1030 in the morning on Saturday. The doors, uh, are the, uh, the show or Q and a will start at, uh, at noon, high noon. And, uh, we'll get you out of there probably about one or one thirty, something like that. One thirty ish should get you where you need to be. It's in a great area, but we'd love to see you. And, uh, I, I'm going to have all the shows I'm going to be appearing at this week, including the one Sunday in. A Sunday morning uh, at the Meadowlands Plaza Hotel in Secaucus. Uh, that's a 10 o'clock shot. You know, all those ex-football players turned wrestlers, great friends, great stars are going to be there. Should be a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, uh, Monday night, of course, Conrad Thompson, Bruce Pritchard, myself, first time ever uh, in Brooklyn near the Barclay Center at the Murmur Theater. And that's going to start at about midnight. Yep, that's midnight. Monday Night Raw, over a little after 11, and uh, local time, and then there we are. Come on down. We're, we're, we're a, a very easy walk, seriously, from the Barclay Center to uh, Murmur Theater. And you can get tickets at the Doe as well, or in advance at BrucePritchard.com. Moving on with what's on my mind. WrestleMania, of course, is on everybody's mind. It's the big event of the year, the major thing in pro wrestling. Uh, Sunday there in, uh, New Jersey. So, uh, I'm hopeful the weather is good. Hope that you dress accordingly if you're going, uh, and enjoy, uh, wrestling under the stars there, if you will, Bayville, uh, and enjoy it. Enjoy the whole damn thing. Challenging man. Think about this. Think about how long some people are, will have been sitting in their seats or even further, further evidence, your honor would be how long they have been away from home to get there. Now, fast forward that to what time it is on your little clock. When, uh, the main event starts with Becky, Rhonda and, and, and Charlotte, that's a physical challenge for anybody to stay hooked. I'm telling you, it is, it is. I'm probably going to watch WrestleMania in my hotel room in New York city on my iPad and be very, very happy that I can get comfortably dressed. I can order room service. If I want to, I can have a little cocktail if I want to, uh, and, uh, I can go pee pee whenever I want to us old guys got to figure that stuff out, man. So, uh, the length of the show is a concern, but there's a theory apparently that the more, more is better, but man, if you're in that main event, you better not, you better not devote a lot of time thinking about how challenging it's going to be to recapture the audience. What you hope you can hook onto is the fact that they say, finally, this is it. 
They're here. It's time. Let's see what's going to happen. And they get a rush of adrenaline and they carry those talents right through that match. Let's hope that that happens. It's going to be a hell of a show. Should be a lot of great matches, but sometimes just, there's just so much. How much can you emotionally process in that long a show? We'll find out right Sunday because everybody, including good old JR here is going to be watching. Uh, having to tell you the hacksaw, Jim Duggan had a heart procedure this past week. I saw him, uh, the hack and his wife, uh, not too long ago at a comic con up there near Detroit. And, uh, he was telling me about the procedure. Uh, you know, they say it's a, uh, uh, no, it's a normal procedure. It's a, you know, whatever the word is I'm looking for, I can't find when you're dealing with somebody's heart, nothing is routine. That's that word I was looking for. So a routine procedure on your heart to me is oxymoronic and a uh, hack luckily is good and he's back at it. So, uh, he's got the heart of a lion and one of my best and oldest friends. Sir, sad to hear that Ter- Terry Funk's wife, Vicki passed away a few days ago. What a, what a spark plug she was just a wonderful personality. Gosh, she, Hey, look, let me, let me tell you how great a woman she is. She's married to Terry Funk for over 50 years, 50 years in wrestle speak. That's eternity. So God bless, uh, the family, the Funks, their friends, the daughters, Terry, I love you, buddy. And, uh, I'm sure going to miss Vicki. I remember so many times Vicki and Jan and Terry and I would sit in that Fridays at the, uh, at the gold coast hotel or we were there for the call for alley club. And, uh, I, that was one of the highlights of the whole damn trip was catching Vicki and Terry eating and then him pushing a ticket toward me so I could buy lunch, which I love doing. Love those folks. So, uh, Vicky's going to be missed. And, uh, she was 75. What well, she had a hell of a life, hell of a life. God bless her. Look at some of the wrestling business around the horn here. Uh, I mentioned it upon signing with AEW over the weekend. Uh, I am, uh, going to be doing the play by play for their, their big show, uh, on double or nothing I'm talking about on Memorial weekend sold out show MGM grand garden arena. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to be a part of it. Uh, and I think that's going to, I think that's going to be on the, on pay-per-view. I know it's going to be on pay-per-view. What am I saying? I know, of course it is. Why would else would I be there? Uh, also a uh, ring of honor. They got a show on Saturday. Uh, this, uh, should be pretty damn special cause it's in Madison square garden. I'm very proud of ring of honor getting that booking. It's great for their company. It's great for the talents. There's never worked the garden, no matter what anybody says, I swear to you. Uh, and if I were there Saturday, I sure I'd feel the exact same way as I'm speaking of right now. And that is there's nothing like broadcasting a combat sport event, sitting at ringside in Madison square garden, nothing. So, uh, I, uh, I hope that the, uh, broadcasters, uh, Ian Riccoboni and whoever's going to work with him, uh, have a hell of a show and they, uh, and they enjoy the feeling of sitting in those seats in that arena, nothing like it. So good luck at ROH new Japan for their, their big show in the garden on Saturday. I might accidentally 
do a drive-by on that one. I've been invited, but it's a long day on Saturday with the, our show, The King and I, at the Gotham Comedy Club, and then uh, going to the Busted Open 10th birthday party. That's going to be fun, too. Uh, I, I'm hearing that uh, AAA is going to have a, an event in the garden this fall. Speaking of the garden, how's that for a segue? Uh, so who knows that, that's that rumor is out and it's, I don't, like I said, it is a rumor, but triple A in the garden you know, in September might, uh, might happen. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, MLW fusion's got a couple of nice events this week. You should check out if you're going to be in the, uh, New York, New Jersey area. They're going to be in Queens to Melrose ballroom, uh, both, uh, uh, two nights, Thursday and Friday night. Take us an information, mlwtickets.com. I'm sure they'll sell out, but so good cards, good TV stuff. So, uh, check them out folks and catch Jim Cornette on commentary. That's worth the price of admission to me. Impact wrestling. Well, they're good. They got some, they got business in the New York area, New Jersey, impact wrestling, uh, on, on April the 4th, uh, they're going to be in Toronto, a rebellion pay-per-view I see April 28th. So, uh, they're, Hey, they're doing some nice things. It's like anything else. We've said it many times here in the show. I hope they do. Keep, they do great. There's room for everybody to be successful. There is no room for anybody to overtake the WWE and, and kick them to the curb. So to speak, that isn't going to happen. That's only realistic. And that's a waste of your damn time to think that. But I think Impact has a fighting chance. They've got a good creative group. Uh, they seem to get a lot of effort from their talent. Uh, they're trying to tell good stories. They provide an opportunity for uh, deserving wrestling people to work. But they need, a new, they need a TV outlet that people can find. That's the key to the game, man. Uh, easy. you got to find it. And you can't sell goods out of an empty wagon. But I, I'm pulling for them nonetheless. Uh my friend Josh Barnett, my former broadcast partner there at Access TV for New Japan Pro Wrestling, has got a big event up there in uh, Jersey City. Uh, it's sold out, by the way, but you can see it uh, on the Fight app. That Fight app's a hell of a tool to have this week, folks. I'm telling you. you see everything. Josh going back to fighting. At, he's going to work for Bellator, which is great. That's a good hire. Real good hire there by by the, the Bellator guys. Uh and, uh, but he's got this show, uh, is Josh Barnett's blood sport. I had a chance to be a part of that. I just, I time wise and other obligations. I just couldn't do it, but I'm sure as hell pulling for Josh. He's a good guy, a stand up guy. Got a lot of fights left in him. He's a good teacher of catch wrestling. Uh, big fan of his work, as you can tell. Uh, all right. So what else is on my mind here today? Linda McMahon resigning from the, uh, president Trump's, uh, Small Business Administration Chief of Cabinet. I heard uh, that somebody told me that might know that she was going to be involved in, uh, I, I think, some sort of like a, uh, I don't know what you call them, the political action group or P political action committee or something along those lines, and be involved in fundraising for Trump's reelection. I don't. That's not a. That's not confined. Uh, confirmed information, at least in my world, other than a couple of guys that keep up with that kind of stuff, politics in general, specifically say that's what's going to happen. 
don't know. Don't matter to me. I've always had always had great respect and, and admiration for Linda McMahon. Uh, Final Four, you got a favorite? I don't have a favorite here. I think anybody can win the damn thing, which is good booking. I like the surprising potential surprising elements of who might make it to the final four. Um, I guess I'd want Virginia to do well because they killed my Sooners, but Texas tech is the darling surprise team and they're big 12. So I guess I should vote for them. I kind of like uh, Tom Mizzo, Michigan state. He coaches kids like they should be coached with tough love and leadership and compassion. And then, uh, Auburn. Wow. What a run they've been on, huh? I don't know, man. I, I'm just not a big, uh, something about Bruce Pearl that doesn't quite connect for me. He dresses nice. He's a pretty, a pretty good fast talker. seems to me like maybe, but he's a good talker. But there's something there just not saucing my ribs, if you know what I'm saying. And do you know what I'm saying? Uh, Raphael wanted me to mention here that uh, Legends of Wrestling Show is going to be in the Detroit area on Saturday, April the 20th at the Frazier Hockeyland Arena. A who's who of stars there, no doubt about that, including uh, Ric Flair and Bret Hart. Good Lord. Booker T. Rikishi. Hall of Famer Duggan. Hall of Famer Santana. Wow. And, uh, anyway, they're going to have a show there. 3,000 folks there last year. Big success. It's at lowdetroit.com for information and tickets. L O W Detroit. One word, lowdetroit.com. And, uh, but really a loaded, loaded event. Check it out. Go online. Don't cost you nothing to go online and look, right? So big weekend uh, all around for everybody. You know, Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff got their show on Saturday afternoon before Raw. Uh, and I I believe that uh, there's something for everybody, uh, without a doubt. Uh, it's going to be a, a different weekend for me going to WrestleMania week and uh, not being uh, a member of the WWE team. It's kind of akin to being in New York, having uh, – uh, the, the troop week and you kind of feel out of place when you're not in uniform. <laughs> so, uh, but I don't feel out of place. I feel, I feel excited about the future without a doubt. And, uh, you know, we're working, Paul Brown, I working on our, the second book. We just, we had a great meeting this week. We've got, we're meeting, I'll see him in New York, I'm sure. Uh, so I, uh, this book is going to be amazing and that's why we're taking a little bit more time on it. Uh, it'll be worth the wait. I promise you probably out, uh, WrestleMania next year it, or, or thereabouts. That's our plan. And not, we're not dragging our feet, but it's hard to make a book. That's not a thousand pages thick <laughs> and, and one that will sell and it's entertaining. That has, you know, that has some great stories that have beginning, middle and ends to them. So we're looking forward to putting that on your bookshelf, hopefully somewhere down the road. Uh, so, you know, all the things we're doing this weekend, it's going to be fun there. Uh, I got all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm going to call for alley club later on this summer. More on that later. Uh, the next weekend, uh, I'll be at the steel city con in Monrovia, PA, just outside of Pittsburgh. And, 
Uh, well, I'll be there on uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's the April 12th through the 14th. So if you're going to be in the Pittsburgh area, I hope you'll come out and see us. Mark Henry's going to be there too as well, I'm told, on Friday and Saturday. So that'll be, that'll be good. You know, StarCast, huge. Man, StarCast is one of the most must-see events, can't-miss events that I can imagine any wrestling fan having the opportunity uh, with which to participate. Uh, I'm going to be on two panels. Uh, Rick Flair and Ricky Steamboat and I are going to talk about the 1989 trilogy of matches uh, that I had the pleasure of uh, calling as good as I ever saw still hold up today in all due respect to Okada and Omega. They did not blow away steamboat and flair as some young fans think, because those young fans had not experienced, uh, the buildup and the payoff and the continuity and the episodic booking of, uh, flair and steamboat, but it's not too late. You can catch up on it. WWE network has it. YouTube's probably got it someplace, right? Uh, so I'll do, I'm doing that. Then the King and I are doing a, a panel on Friday, the 24th, by the way, uh, Rick and, and, and the dragon are on Thursday night or Thursday. I think I'm not sure what time. And then, uh, then Lawler and I are together, uh, in a historic, maybe last time you never know with, well, you know, you never know what he's going to be allowed to do with his contract and, and so forth. So, uh, uh, anyway. I'm, I'm excited about that. Jerry and I doing a Q and a, we don't, we don't feel the questions in advance. Uh, we, we want you to ask what's on your mind and we'll do the best we can to give you an accurate and honest, entertaining answer. Simple as that. Uh, if you're in the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area, I'm going to be doing an appearance there for the, uh, the Florence freedom baseball team. That's fun stuff for me. That's going to be Thursday, June 6th. More on that coming up. Uh, you know, I'll always be at the Dan Gable Museum when my schedule allows. Thus far, it looks good. I'll be there uh, for their annual uh, George Tragus Luthes Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Ooh, it's a mouthful, huh? Uh, at Wrestling Museum on Twitter, you can get see their little bio where you get all your information. It is a great event. It's family-friendly. It's affordable. And the museum's been remodeled. They spent uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on upgrades. I can't wait to see it. Love for you to see it as well. And then I just uh, confirmed that I would be in October, uh, the fifth and sixth. I'm going to be in Dothan, Alabama, at the Comic Con in Dothan. It's called the Alabama Fanticon. Alabama Fanticon. F A N A T I C O N. And so you can get your information at Alabama, F-A-N-A-T-I-C-O-N.com. Just saying. It'd be fun, right? Football season, barbecue, Alabama, Alabama. Uh, well, I'd like to be, have the voice of my old friend uh, Eli Gold, the voice of the Crimson Tide. Alabama. Roll Tide. Talk to Conrad. You can't get the sandwich off the phone without saying Roll Tide. So I feel like I'm in that commercial, that ESPN commercial back in the day. Connie, my God. I love those roll tie cheeks. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what's on my mind. Hey, folks, don't forget that our book, Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling, is still going gangbusters at Amazon.com. Uh, it it uh, 
is some Barnes and Nobles that keep it stocked and pay attention. Uh, and I went into my local Barnes and Noble in Norman the other day, and they had one copy of it. I had my sunglasses on and my slobber knocker cap, and the lady didn't know it was me on the cover. I think they're going to try to order some more of them. They can't keep. They said we can't keep it in stock. I said, ding, ding, ding. That's why you order more. That's good market research. Your sales. So anyway, but that brings me to slobber knocker of the week, ladies and gents, and uh, a lot of good candidates as always. Uh, I, I mentioned Josh Barnett. He's got his own promotion. He's getting ready to roll with uh, there in New York and Jersey, uh, but. Uh, he is uh, re-signed with uh, Bellator. You know, Josh is a former USC heavyweight champion. Uh, he's wrestled main events in the, in the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom. He's a very all-around guy, and he's a friend of mine, more importantly. So giving him a little bit more extra love this week uh, as a candidate for the Slobber Knocker of the Week. Uh, I mentioned the, the Funk family losing uh, wonderful Vicky, Terry Funk's wife. Uh, she was a, just a sweethearted, sweet, sweet lady. And, uh, she would be my slobber knocker of the week anytime. Uh, also we want to another candidate kind of unusual. I don't think I've ever said something like this here, but, uh, to Jojo, you know, WWE ring announcer Jojo Well, Jojo and Bray Wyatt, uh, have, for those that follow the, uh, dirt online and social media. They have confirmed that they are expecting a child. Uh, it was in an Instagram post, kids. JoJo announced her pregnancy and revealed that the baby is a boy and the young lad is expected to arrive in June. And they have named him K-N-A-S-H. I assume that's Nash with the K being silent, but I don't know that. Nonetheless, I congratulate them. And, uh, hope everybody stays healthy and happy and uh, they live happily ever after. Another nominee for slobber knocker of the week would be the 2019 hall of fame class that now includes Brutus, the barber beefcake, uh, the latest inductee announced, uh, this week, I think, uh, but DX big heart foundation, big honky tonk man, Tory Wilson, Harlem heat. All of them are deserving. And I'm not, in, I've never been in a place where, uh, I, I believe that there are some people that may be in the hall of fame that I'm surprised at the accomplishing such, but I'm never going to get down and say, well, he shouldn't be in the hall of fame. He killed it or lessened it. I, I, I don't have the, I don't have that mindset. I don't understand why that would even be a, a part of a discussion. Uh, but congratulations to all these folks. Their families, I hope, will be there and enjoy it. I hope they take it seriously. I hope they don't talk too long. And I hope that uh, they enjoy the weekend. Because at some point, it'll strike you, this is a pretty special damn time. But this week's Slobber Rock of the Week has a Hall of Fame ring. And he says he's retiring. Is this a pro wrestling retirement? Or is Kurt Angle really going to hang it up after WrestleMania on Sunday? Time will tell, right? History is any indication, then the, the retirement might be short-lived until the next opportunity to make another payday occurs. 
but I am glad that we're starting to pay more attention uh, as a as a viewer because WWE is giving us a reason to pay more attention to Kurt's retirement. They're building little stories around it. Uh, the Baron Corbin thing, you know, if it's if they can, if WWE can create more angst and, and a and a better perception as a villain for Baron Corbin. Uh, through this WrestleMania and his experience at Kurt Angle, then the, then WWE wins. But I, I don't think that the advancement of Baron Corbin should trump uh, Kurt Angle's having his last match. The retirement match, to me, is bigger than anything that the WWE can do right now for Baron Corbin, who I do think has an upside. He's a big athletic kid, long, long body. He, he has, he's a good striker. He seems to have decent psychology. He just needs more time. He's not really ready mentally as far as understanding the psychology of wrestling to be that main eventer on a WrestleMania level, but could he be? Absolutely. And that's when he, when he identified those qualities, that's when he got to stick with somebody. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that match goes. I hope Kurt wins and he gets his hand raised and we have a, a very special moment maybe with his family or something there. Uh, but I, I, I just, I just don't want to downgrade his contributions and uh, what he meant to the WWE and wrestling in general. And I, I just, I also hate the fact that some people have the mindset that, well, Kurt's getting jacked around because it's Vince's way of getting back at him for going to TNA. Now that makes no sense. That really makes no sense. Uh, you know, Kurt wanted out of WWE and to time based on the schedule and, and, and issues he was having, it was best to get him out of, uh, off the road. And, and he was in denial about issues that he had. So luckily he came out on the other side. He came back home to WWE or signed him from, from the get go. And he's going to finish there. It just makes all the sense in the world. And I applaud W I applaud WWE for getting a little, maybe a little bit late in the game but for providing Kurt uh, enough attention and spotlight to make his retirement match be special. So this week's Slobberknock of the Week from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Clarion College, Kurt Angle. Apparently they have a pet raccoon that got into their mess. All right, everybody, don't forget all my shows this weekend. We'll be bringing our barbecue sauces, beef jerky, seasoning, uh, hardcover books, Slobberknocker specifically to all of our shows for our, at our merch table, or as the boys say, the old gimmick table. So I've got, I want to have a loaded gimmick table this weekend. Come on by and stock up and, uh, Gotham comedy club Saturday morning noon with a noon show Sunday morning. I'm going to be in Jersey. We'll talk more about that with the two men power trip team and a bunch of hellacious athletes that were played football and wrestled and a lot of big timers that you haven't seen in a while. So check that out. And of course, uh, Connie, my mom and Bruce Richard at Bruce Richard.com. Uh, and I will be doing our first show together on Saturday night at midnight. It will be a wild and woolly affair. I am predicting it could be a, a verbal slobber knocker, ladies and gentlemen, hope you'll be with us. And if you're not, you might be pet coon goofy. There's so many candidates this week. When I started going through these, I got, I got depressed. It's supposed to be entertainment here. 
but I narrowed it down to what I felt like stood out above all of the pet coon goofy behavior in the last seven days or so. And that is this entire special Olympics controversy for the love of God. What are these politicians thinking? And they're not public service. Let's get this right now. They're politicians, man. They're businessmen and women. They're in the business of making a living via jobs in the government. And yes, I know the original setup was you're a public servant and you leave your home, you, you leave your district for very different periods of time and you go to Washington and you meet and you listen and you converse and you interact and you become smarter and more rounded and you do things for the good of the country and not necessarily just your party. I'm sure there are politicians right now that, uh, that sincerely and truly do things for the country and the country first. I would say that that number would be less than those that are going to do what their party wants, whether it's what they believe to be right or wrong. So, uh, the, the taking $18 million, which is a hell of a lot of money, folks. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of money. Uh, but that's in their, in their world. It's not that much money. It's not that much money to take away that opportunity for happiness to these little angel children and their parents, uh, to, to not be able to participate in something that's so important to them. And when you, I think when you're dealt the hand that they have and you're able to find something that you can win at, be successful at, feel to be, uh, receive adulation for it's priceless. So for everybody involved in this whole scenario, uh, education speaker, Betsy DeVos, I can't, I don't even say her name right. Cause I have given her enough thought to get, to commit her name to my memory. Uh, Betsy DeVoe. You know, come on. Betsy got bad advice. She got made to look like Ned in the first reader. And I suspect that sooner than later, she's going to be thrown under the bus, ran over, and soon to be forgotten. Except when she puts out her memoirs of her time as the education secretary. Just don't screw with these special children. Find somebody else's life to screw up, will you? All you politicians. Because if you're a public servant, there's no way in hell that you would, would do this and stick a knife in the heart of these children. You just would not do it. And that's my perception. And I could be wrong, folks. It's only an opinion. Don't go crazy now. I'm not asking you to agree with me. I'm just telling you what's on my mind. It shows about honesty. Uh, but it was very easy for me at the end of the day to anoint this whole special Olympics controversy and the politicians that are screwing it up, the Petcon Goofy Award. You deserve it. What the hell is this? What the hell is this? Before we get on to this week in wrestling, I know a lot of you have asked me questions about when the podcast uh, featuring Conrad Thompson and myself will commence. We hope that it starts next week. But in full transparency, it may be the week after. I will have a show next week. Conrad will probably be on it, but whether we do our brand new format or not is still to be determined. Uh, there's some, uh, there's some bureaucracy as I like to call it 
from the business side, because you just can't have an agreement unless you get lawyers involved. But love of God, how, how could the world exist? They can't. So uh, hopefully more on that next week. Uh, but we're, we're excited about that opportunity. We think you're going to like our new show. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll talk more about it when we know more about it. But uh, we're waiting right now. I, I am going to record a podcast next week, I think on Tuesday, in New York City. And uh, we'll see what we'll see what shape it takes. But God Almighty, isn't there plenty to talk about next week? Ooh. Plus, Connie, Connie ain't going to talk about uh, Starcast 2. Can't wait to see that one. Uh, this week in wrestling, 32 years ago, folks, uh, Jim Crockett Promotions finalized the purchase of Mid-South Sports, the parent company of the Universal Wrestling Federation. I am very familiar with that. I was a broker to deal. I was getting ready to go meet with uh, Crockett, Jimmy Crockett, and Rob Garner in a millionaire uh, air, air uh, terminal in Atlanta. They flew in on their jet, and I flew in on Watts's uh, prop plane. <laughs> uh, it was cool, and uh, we talked about it. And at the end of the con- we talked about having a co-venture and how we could use our syndication to help help the two companies do some co-ventures in some ter- in some territory towns out of the original Mid Atlantic, which would allow the Mid Atlantic territory to rest a little bit. It would also give us more of a reason to uh, run some of these markets that are geographically compatible to us and get that TVS overlay. So it made a lot of sense. And that was what we were talking about conceptually. I still think that would have worked, but sometimes you can't sometimes two cooks or too many in the kitchen. And that could have been the case there in any event. Um, uh, we were talking about that. And at the end of the conversation, I said to, uh, Jimmy and Rob, I said, well, what would you think if I said, uh, you could buy it. Cause we're all well, these little, you know, you, you, we'll take this off the, you know, the rent and the taxes and we'll split here and we'll do it. I said, why don't you just, why don't you just buy it? And you think he'd sell? I said, I know he'd sell. He told me he would. I asked him before I left. So the conversation then went from having, uh, potentially doing dates for or the co-venture in these new markets to having, uh, uh, Jim Crocker promotion, buy out the cowboy and, uh, didn't set well. A lot of folks, some folks that did. Uh, I think the purchase price was, I think we, I think we got 4 million for it maybe, but I think at the end of the day that the, the money that cowboy got was considerably less than that because of the, uh, financial peril that JCP got in, uh, not too long after that. So, Hey, look, my idea was all along was very simple. You keep the, you keep the NWA and the UWS separate. You, you let the TVS show be the melting pot for everything under your one umbrella. You have your syndication in both markets featuring those specific brands. You can, you cannot saturate the pay-per-view market with NWA pay-per-views and burn it out and stretch it out a little bit, do less of them. They'll mean more same thing. Then you factor in some of those, uh, UWF pay-per-views and things might work. And then once a year, your version of the WrestleMania would be your version of a better yet, uh, the world series or the super bowl. So you have, you have two leagues and, but here's the thing you gotta have, you gotta have a, uh, you can't little brother, the, the, the UWF. And that's kind of what happened a little bit. It wasn't, wasn't good for the brand. It didn't work. Financial trouble followed because they, 
the, the, the concept, the novel of doing it, the, 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 uh, the formula that I was looking at was never, never gotten play. So, and it might not have worked. I might've been wrong, but we saw the other side of the coin. How, how'd that work out for you? So, uh, anyway, then 26 years ago, real quickly here, uh, WWE presented WrestleMania nine Caesar's palace in Las Vegas. 16,891 in attendance, 430,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. And that was up by the way, from the 390 the year before at WrestleMania, uh, eight, it was also my debut in WWE. Uh, and I was working in a toga and uh, sandals on a day that Bobby Heenan tried so, so hard to get me to go commando, meaning no underwear because he'd tell Vince how much of a trooper I was that I manned up. I didn't even wear underwear because the, uh, uh, whoever the, whoever we're representing those other guys in those togas didn't wear underwear, which I would never have known that. Did you know that Bobby Heenan knew that? And so as he was telling me that monsoon was standing behind him, shaking his head, no. So bottom line, I wore my tidy whities under my toga. I did not go commando. Thank God. Cause that would have been the early precursor to George Costanza's shrinkage line. So fun, fun day. Great, uh, great way to launch my career there. Right. First, your first outing and the boss thinks enough of you to put you at the play by play position for WrestleMania. And quite honestly, in full, dis- full disclosure, Grillo was sick that day. Didn't feel well. He looked bad when he did the little opening and pitched it down to, to me. Uh, and that's why I was in, I don't think I was always the plan, but, uh, when Grillo come up ill, then, uh, I was the one that Vince went to could have gone to himself, but he didn't, uh, 14 years ago, it was WrestleMania 21. Some people liked this show. Some people did not like it at all. Uh, I remember edge winning the first money in the bank ladder match there. Uh, Kurt angle and Shawn Michaels killed it. Uh, Kurt beat Shawn Michaels. John Cena beat JBL to win the WWE title. Another good one. Batista defeated triple H yet again to win the world heavyweight championship. I don't know why, I don't know why you wouldn't like that show. I, I, I don't remember it being bad. And of course the one that everybody talks about from time to time, as far as WrestleMania is concerned, was 25. I was brought out of uh, the bullpen to do my traditional uh, three outs at the bottom of the ninth routine. And uh, I got to work the main event there with Sean and undertaker, which was a phenomenal honor. And one of the best matches I've ever seen. 72,000 fans on hand over a million uh, pay-per-view buys big time, a very memorable day for me because it was really, I didn't get too many more, uh, at bats in that spot after, uh, that event. Gosh, it seemed like yesterday. And then finally, eight years ago, WWE presented WrestleMania 27. That was in the Georgia dome in Atlanta. 71,000 hands there too. Uh, a very impressive, uh, 1,059,000 pay-per-view buys that was up from, uh, uh, 885,000 a year before. And, uh, I remember King and I worked that show and you know, it does it, what does it mean in the big picture with Batista and triple H having a no host barred match, uh, and under and triple H was in a no host barred match at WrestleMania eight years ago and lost the undertaker is it time that he gets his win back 
or is it just not going to be his day? A lot of ways you could skin that cat, so to speak. Uh, but in any event, it was a good show. Fun to be there. Fun to be back in Atlanta. So for someone who has started his career in Atlanta on national television, that was a really cool experience, uh, to be, to be there for that WrestleMania, even though I didn't have a big role. Uh, it was part of the nice to have your Jersey and at least make the traveling squad, if nothing else. And that's how you got to look at it. Right. If you don't, you drive yourself crazy, which I almost did last year. Uh, let's go to the birthdays before I reveal too much about my inner self. Uh, Lance storm is 50 years young on Wednesday. Citizen Storm is one of the best coaches and teachers in the entire business. The Storm Wrestling Academy there in uh, beautiful Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Can't recommend it highly enough. And if some of you guys that are listening overseas, outside the outside of North America, and you know that there's sometimes issues getting into the United States, duh. Uh, then you can much easier sometimes find your way into Canada. And... Calgary's a great place. Great history, great heritage. Lance does a good job. Happy birthday, Citizen Storm. I'll, I'll always owe him, you know, because Citizen Storm and uh, William Regal uh, allowed Jerry Lawler and me, more specifically me, to get our hands raised on a, on a match on Raw from Oklahoma City back in the day. He didn't have to do that, but he's a pro, and he took care of us, took care of me. Anybody got to take care of the king, for God's sakes. Also on Wednesday, uh, Russ Francis, who was in WrestleMania II, the big battle royal, former football player in the NFL. His dad was a promoter and a wrestler back in the day. Uh, Ed Francis over in Hawaii. Uh, on Thursday, Chelsea Green, current NXT star, 28 years old. She's got a good game. Uh, Bianca Belair, 30 years old. I think this young lady was discovered by Mark Henry. And she's the one hell of an athlete. I ain't telling you I love the hair whip thing. I don't hate it. Maybe it's just I'm not used to it. But I don't want her to slap me in the face with it just to find out. Needless to say, uh, good upside for both those ladies. On uh, Friday, speaking of ladies and upside, she's got all that and more. Charlotte Flair, Ashley Flair will be 33 years old, eight-time women's champ. She's in the main event at WrestleMania 35. I thought she was absolutely phenomenal along with uh, Becky and Ronda Rousey. I have never seen a better post-match pull-apart brawl involving a cast of thousands than I saw Monday night on Raw involving Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair. And they didn't do it by themselves. A lot of folks back there involved uh, – and a, and a lot of money was spent on, on creating the, the and taking care of the damage that was done. But boy, to me, it resonated. It showed me the intensity, the unpredictability, uh, the intensity that these women have for their against the, with each other. These rivalries that have been built and festered, they're open wounds. And so I, I just something's got something's got to give on Sunday. And I love the fact that it's winner take all. What they do with the one title or one person having two titles is there's a lot of ways to, to go in that deal. But it could be, if it goes to the eventuality of having one women's champion, then I love that. It makes it mean more. Also on Friday, Diamond Dallas Page 
He's not 33, ladies and gentlemen, but he's 63. Uh, great shape. The Hall of Famer, w, former WCW champion, DDP yoga. He's, a, he's ubiquitous. I follow his wife on Facebook. We're friends. Uh, Sika. Sika, of course, the father of late Rosie and uh, Roman Reigns, Hall of Famer, one of the great tag teams ever, often Sika, the Wild Samoans. And uh, he, he is uh, 74. That ain't old. Going from one Islander to the another, one as great as the next. The high chief Peter Maivia would have been 82 on Saturday. He died in 1982 at cancer, unfortunately. He's a Hall of Famer. In 2008, he went in, did uh, the high chief. The grandfather of the rock. And man, what a tough dude he was. Whew. Look at those. Do you, ever, do you ever take a shot at his, uh, Google him and see those tattoos on his legs. And how the, and they they were put on there. I was told the old school way, and somebody could explain this better than me. I'm not a tattoo guy, because I'm a, I'm a coward and I'm afraid of needles. But the way that the, that uh, high cheese tattoos were done was some sort of ceremonial old school way that uh, was one step above torture. On uh, Sunday, Sanjay Dutt, 37. He's new a new WWE producer formerly at TNA for a long time, TNA Impact. I mentioned a Rosie, uh, Roman's brother, Sika's son. Uh, Rosie passed away in 2017 of uh, congestive heart failure, but uh, he would have been 49 on Sunday. Big time. He could have been a big, big time talent. Very. He reminded me a lot of Yokozuna, except not as big, but he had natural timing and balance. And he could get, even though he got big, he had a good first step, which put his whole process in movement quicker and uh, sped up the process and the pace of a match, which is hard for a super heavyweight to do. But a nice kid, too. Really nice kid. And then finally, on our birthdays this week, uh, Darren Drozdoth. The Draws will be 50 years old on Sunday. Draws, happy birthday. Better days are ahead for your Maryland Terrapins. And, uh, one of the class act, man. Draws has not been dealt a great hand, folks. But he makes the most of every damn day. And I'm not so sure I could do that. So God bless all you folks for your birthdays. And remember, good old JR has got the cake. You've got mail. As I promised at the head of the program, this week, instead of having a conversation with somebody, uh, I wanted to do this because it's the first time to do it. It seemed like a nice time to take a little inventory of what people are thinking about so i'm going to try to get through as many of these questions that sean cradle and Raphael morphy have selected for me uh as best that i can uh i have not previewed all these questions at all so if i if i get to one i don't know the answer i'm just going to tell you i don't know or i can bullshit you and lie and make something up let me know will you text me <laughs> uh george mcelroy George wants to know uh, what I see as the future uh, for British wrestling. Uh, George, I think it's healthy. You know, uh, if if somebody can get on uh, uh, ITV with a strong product, that would enhance any brand because they're that they're a monster station. They're huge, 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 uh, and they got great people there that are wrestling fans. Some of my good friends are executives there at ITV. 
but the, there's a talent base there that's been very influenced by the access of material. You know, you know, if you got Wi-Fi in a, in a smart device, your phone, you can watch wrestling from all the world. And I think people are doing that, and they're becoming fans younger. And and there's good athletes, and great style, great heritage there in the UK. So I would say, uh, George, that the future of uh, wrestling and British wrestling is good. It's good, and how it will grow will largely depend on the broadcast platform that they have to build from. Chris Watson here says, was there ever a particular angle or storyline that I was involved in or pushed for that never came to fruition? Oh, hell yeah. Tons of them. Lots of ideas that didn't make air. That's the nature of the beast. And I didn't handle those rejections well when I was younger and I got over it. Uh, it's not that you care less. You just care in a different manner. Yeah, but all yeah, there are all kinds of uh, uh, angles. The thing that happened to me more often than not, you know, I had the idea that I thought we could get a one-off run with Doctor Death versus Stone Cold, and it never happened because of injuries. Steve, Steve was was busted up, and Doc got that hamstring that just came unshredded, just you know, horrible, horrible. So injuries oftentimes in styles. Uh, indicate how far a program will go or not. But yeah, it's in the creative process. You know, you just go in these meetings and say, well, there's no bad ideas. Let's hear them. So, uh, it's all good there. But thanks, uh, Chris, for your question. Chris from Corsicana, Texas, uh, Christian Hardy said, Miss South produced uh, plenty of talents who went on to become massive stars in WWF or NWA, uh, WCW, etc." But was there any talent that you saw during your time in mid South who you thought should have a bigger star? should be a bigger star nationally, but never made it to that level. Uh, I, I would think that, uh, I mentioned Dr. Death if in the, in the WWE world, uh, where you could have an endless variety of managers at your disposal, a doc would have been uh, a phenomenal a villain. Uh, what they could call a wrestling heel and wrestling heels oftentimes got more heat because they could out wrestle your fan favorite. And people didn't like to see that, uh, that treatment on their, on their, on their, on their baby faces. But doc never made it to that level because of injuries, other self-inflicted wounds. And the fact that he spent so much time in Japan and not building his television base fan base here in, in the States. I'll tell you this, uh, one of the, best matches I ever called as far as just in pure enjoyment was Dr. Death and, and Terry Gordy. What a phenomenal team. Hey, when you talk about the greatest teams of all time and, and Gordy and, and doc are not in that conversation, then you have not done your homework. Uh, but the doc and Gordy against the Steiner brothers in WCW was amazing. You know, go out of your way to check that one out. Next question is from Joshua Fox. Joshua basically wants to know, uh, what uh, WWE can do to make their product better, uh, you know, it's a big question, uh, Joshua. Uh, one thing any company can do, not just WWE, but all wrestling companies, they can plan longer. They can strategically plan the, uh, their their storylines and their and storyboard their their uh, creative on a longer period of time, 
and because it normally will indicate you'll get better results when that product that you've planned a long time for is finally presented. So I would say that would be a, a one thing there. Uh, I think that, uh, they've got to figure out a way to get somebody on a quote unquote roll and get hot. I think you were in a, in a scenario here where, uh, on the fans, a lot of fans on the peripheral and where then therefore wins and losses will mean more. Uh, I think the fans that are diehards that are, you know, been around forever, fully aware of what's going on behind the scenes, more or less, uh, wins and losses are not as important to them, but I believe if you, you cannot build a, a star without momentum, you cannot build a star based on 50, 50 booking. It will not work. It never has worked and it never will work. And moving on here, Pat Kane, uh, wants to know about the Steiners. Ironically, you consider the Steiner brothers to be a top five tag team of all time. I don't know how you'd leave them off that list. I really don't. I mean, uh, were there better talkers? Yeah. Yeah, there were. So depending on how much you value that particular trait would indicate whether the Steiner brothers made your top five or not. As far as wrestling and bell to bell, athleticism, toughness, durability, believability, damn right. They belong. They sure do. They belong. And it's funny tag teams are fighting for credibility. Now they're fighting for recognition. And it's so easy for me to name off the this, this, this same person that wants me to give him my top five tag teams, Pat Kane, Pat, it'll change tomorrow, but uh, it would always include, you know, uh, Arn and Tully midnight express rock and roll express, um, heart foundation rockers, fantastics, Anderson's really doesn't stop. It's just, it goes on and on because in that era, tag teams were valued more than they are now, apparently. And tomorrow I have another list where well, you left off the Freebirds. where well, you left off the, you know, Ivan and uncle Ivan and Nikita. I, I, I didn't mean to, but that's how it works. There's just a lot of opportunities to make an, to anoint somebody, a top five tag team, but you can't have a top five tag team list without the midnight express without the rock and roll express without Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, uh, argument can be made very easily. As I mentioned for the free birds, they'd be on my list. So a lot of, a lot of right answers there. If you, you know what I'm saying? If you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Ryan minor starts off very nicely. Good day, Jim. Hello. Uh, just curious. What was it like calling WrestleMania nine with Randy Savage? He seemed to have some unique things to add to the broadcast, a very polite way of putting that, uh, Ryan, he did have a unique way of adding things to the broadcast. And some of those things he added were very unique as well. Uh, Randy is challenging to be honest with you. I'm not speaking ill of the, of the dead because his talent was immense. His presentation, you, you know, who was talking when he, when you heard him, but he was, uh, I don't know that he ever really found working with me anyway. And that's, that's as much on me as it is him, a rhythm. We didn't find a rhythm. We did some Monday night raw shows that were, I thought were pretty good. Those one hour shows. 
and I enjoyed working with him, but he was a little bit hard to get close to. Uh, so therefore it was kind of hard to develop much chemistry. Uh, Randy didn't trust a lot of people in my my opinion that does that make him a bad guy. Of course not. Of course not. But, uh, it was challenging to work with him on commentary, but I understood his, why he was there. He's a much bigger star than me, me then, or that I would ever be. So you just try to, you get in those situations. You're kind of like that point guard and you're, it's, you're obligated to get the ball to these, uh, jump shooters, these scorers. And that's what I looked at with my relationship with Randy. Just keep getting in the ball and you'll, we'll be fine. So that's kind of how we worked it. Ian Milligan wants to know what it's like to be sitting at ringside when WrestleMania starts. Nothing like it in wrestling. Ian, nothing. It's a huge, a huge honor. Uh, I, I take exception to the fact that some talents believe because they're on the WWE roster that they are obligated to be booked. There's a lot of, uh, uh, let's keep everybody happy with a participation medal booking uh, on some of these massive shows like WrestleMania. Case in point, the uh, Andre the Giant Battle Royal, which is an ensemble cast of two or three stars, primarily uh, Strowman, but he's surrounded with the you know talents that have not been pushed, talents that are flat, and non wrestlers. So, uh, but I think that's a, the company's trying to be nice. I can see that too. Don't necessarily agree with it wholeheartedly, but. You know, uh, there's all these big shows are seeming like always that way. They, there's a, you find a match you can put a ton of people in. So these guys can say they were booked at WrestleMania and I, and, and I agree. Look, I'm not being a hard ass in that deal. They, you want your family to come. You want a, the, the a distinction of being on that show. There's nothing wrong with that. I just don't believe it's your, your birthright. It's just me. Earn your spot, create a need or desire to see you on a bigger stage and you'll find yourself there. Uh, Peter Lett, what was the best or worst loser leave town match you ever saw? Well, Peter, I'll tell you the answer to that is when I was a young guy, about, uh, 20, I was working for a steel company, a scrapyard company in Muskogee called Yaffe iron and metal. And, uh, through the week we were going down to Fort worth to at these air, uh, little airports and they were buying salvaged airline air aircraft to, uh, you know, get the salvage and get the metal out of it. So all the guys are there, this little work crew, like there were four of us, uh, were wrestling fans and they had a big wrestling event in Fort Worth. Uh, I guess the stockyards Coliseum or what it was called. No, I can't remember the name of that building. I've been there too a ton of times. Anyway. Annual weekly, weekly Fort Worth wrestling card from the Von Ericks. And it was a, uh, big, uh, loser leave town match involving, uh, Bob Orton senior. He might've been under a mask. I'm not, I can't remember, but here's what I do remember. This relevant to the story. When we pulled up and parked my buddies and I, and going to the box office to buy a ticket, we saw this vehicle. It was like a big Cadillac one of those big four door Cadillacs and it had a U-Haul attached to the back of it. So didn't think much of it. And then we went into the event. The event was over. Uh, 
Bob Wharton senior lost the match. He had to leave town. And as we came out, uh, guess who was behind the wheel of the Cadillac with a towel over his head, trying to make a quick getaway. You got it. Bob Wharton senior. It was too good to be true. And that has to be the most, uh, memorable loser league town match I can recall being a part of. And there simply as where it all started for me as a fan. Well, folks, this week's uh, episode of the Jim Ross Report is brought to you by WWE Supercard Season 5. Step into the squared circle with rectangular cards. WWE Supercard is the collectible card battle game enjoyed by millions and millions of WWE fans. It features your favorite WWE superstars, all the legends and more, including the great one, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the phenomenal AJ Styles, Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins, Ronda Rousey, so many more. You could crush your opponents in real time player versus player matches, earn exclusive rewards in Royal Rumble and Elimination Chamber matches. They've got it all, folks. Participate in weekly rotating events and compete in the King of the Ring tournament to earn the top cards. I love this facet of this game. Season 5 of WWE Supercard is available now for free, folks. Yep, for free in the Apple App Store, Google Play, and Amazon App Store. And for all our loyal listeners, we have a special gift for you. How about that? Who said I wasn't nice? Visit wwe.2k.com slash Ross to get your free card pack to help you boost your card deck and get a leg up on the competition. Never hurts to have a little leg up, folks. Trust old JR on that one. Again, that's wwe.2k.com slash Ross for a free card pack. This is a damn fun game, and I can't beat the price. WWE.2K.com slash Ross for a free card pack. Best deal in town, folks. Get you some. Continuing on with the mailbag. H.J. Espinosa wants to know if I think that the WWE will cut back on the, uh, as he calls them, gimmick pay-per-views like TLC, Hell in a Cell, and Elimination Chamber. Uh, I don't know why they would. Uh, it may not be your cup of tea, AJ. I get that too. And I respect that. Uh, I'm a big believer that when you have a TLC match, I don't need to see a tables match. I don't need to see a ladders match and I don't need to see a chairs match. I'm all in though for TLC. And then if you don't have those other stragglers or attachments, that means the TLC, which is the main event and which is the name of the event itself has more. Uh, latitude to do more exciting things to tell a better story. That's my take on that deal. But I have no idea what they, they may do, but if it's working and the numbers hold up, it's all about the numbers, then, uh, there'd be no reason to change. Uh, this is good. I think people think I'm, I'm really naive. This is from Joel Beaven. There's no, I think there's like a, some guy named Joe Beavins one time. I heard that name. I don't know if he lived or not, or if he was fact or fiction. Anyway, uh, Joel 
Bevan, B-E-V-A-N, is in the U.K., uh, and he wants to know what I think of uh, uh, the U.K., NXT U.K. show. It's good. It's very good. It's a great place for these talents to, to be recognized. If you want to wrestle, if you want to, like this is WrestleMania week, right, uh, Joel? If you want to be on that card someday and you're on the NXT UK, you're exactly where you need to be. So what do you do? Well, you go out and maximize your minutes. You get better at your skill set. You get more well-rounded. You get better at what you do. They'll notice you. They'll see you. There's no timeline. Well, when's that going to happen? When it's, when it's right. All you got to worry about is getting better every single day and not taking any backward steps. And never, I tell this town all the time, don't give the parent company any reason not to want to do business with you. Unless you just got a fixation for getting your ass fired. Uh, Rusty Burroughs. Rusty is our deputy friend from uh, northeast Mississippi in the Tupelo area. Uh, he watched a lot of Mid-South wrestling videos. I noticed several wrestlers use a form of the power slam as a finisher. Was that a Cowboy Bill Watts idea? Probably not, even though Bill used the Oklahoma Stampede, which was a running power slam, as his finish. The, the key thing was this. If you – and that, so, therefore, that move, those big monster slams were established as legit finishers because Watts used his and nobody ever kicked out of it that I could recall. So the finish itself was over. Uh, much like the dreaded power drive was barred in some territories because it's, it was too dangerous. Uh, but no, I don't think Bill ever did that. Bill's deal was on finishes was you need a finish that is a believable, but maybe as important or maybe more important that you can, uh, utilize on anybody on the roster. And there will be a few exceptions from time to time, no doubt, but more by and large, the finish should be uh, very, let's say ambidextrous. You should be able to work on anybody right-handed or left-handed. I know what that meant. Uh, Corey Southard. Corey Southard. Uh, been a huge fan of yours since I was a boy. Cool. I must say I listened to Tony Schiavone's podcast after he was on your show. Good for you. Uh, your Conrad Thompson impression was dead on. Do uh, you think you'll ever have Stone Cold on your show? You know, he's been on my show many times, either over at the, where I was before I came to Westwood One. I think he's been on since I've been on Westwood One. Uh, but, yeah, that would be no problem. Just a matter of us clearing our schedule. You know, I, well, I, I talk to Steve frequently. He's still a great confidant, gives me good advice, good feedback, and as I've tried to do him all these years. So uh, we'll see. Anytime I can get stone cold on anything I'm doing, I would do it. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying, Corey, for God's sakes? Uh, a fan in Japan, Ian Doherty, uh, says he'd love the Attitude Era. My brother and I would stay up and watch WWE live on Channel 4 in the UK and then feign illness. They feigned illness, ladies and gentlemen, the little bastards. And to get off of school the next day. So what are your thoughts about WrestleMania event being held in the UK? Very, uh, frequently asked question, Ian, very frequently asked. I don't expect it to happen anytime soon, 
but I do believe that the possibilities of it occurring have increased uh, significantly over the past few years thanks to the technology, the advancements in technology, and uh, things of that nature. The key issue is, is that there's so much data showing that people want to watch something live, and if your biggest marketplace is uh, it's in the middle of the night for something live, uh, i.e. WrestleMania in the U.K., and guess what time it will be in, the, in North America where the bulk of your customers are. I'm not saying there's better customers. There's just more of them, and that's what it's all about. Bottom line, bottom line. So I'm not going to tell you no on the WrestleMania ever in the U.K. because I don't know that to be f- a fact. I think it's a long shot. But I think the chances have improved over the past few years. If that gives you any solace at all, I hope I'm trying here, Ian. I'm working. I'm working with you, brother. Uh, this from Jeremy Sasser. I've always wondered if this day and age of superstar contracts, when they come up for renewal, how do you accurately evaluate a talent whether you like to you'd like to re-sign them or not? Well, you don't sit down and negotiate with anybody on a renewal unless you want to keep them. If you don't want to keep them, you don't start the process. You let the contract end organically, fulfill the commitments, and you, the talent moves on and you move on. So I never sat down to negotiate with anybody that we didn't want to keep. Uh, one of the uh, criteria on what they're worth is how much they earned last year. So if they over-earned their downside guarantee, uh, so be it. You could go, you got some room there to pay them, give them a little bit of a raise because they've already proven that they can earn it. If they did not uh, earn their downside guarantee, then there's more factors at play, and that, that some of them and some of them don't bode well for the talent unless there's some obvious reason that the talent could have been injured, could have been a creative uh, snafu or a calamity. Uh, so, but last year's earnings was a good part of that. Plus. Were they a pain in the ass to deal with? Did they come to work on time? Were they professional? Could I rely on them? Could Vince rely on them? Could everybody rely on them? So you check all the right boxes, and it's not hard to. You want to reward somebody for being good and loyal. So there's a little bit of mathematics involved. There's a little bit of gut instinct involved. And there's just a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, I think common sense involved where you don't overthink the process. Uh, Larry Bavley says he grew up as a child in Dallas in the early seventies. His family moved to Massachusetts in the mid seventies and he's followed WWE or whatever incarnation of that company since, but he remembers, uh, as a kid, Jack Briscoe was the NWA champion. Chris Von Eric was a local hero. Other greats like Jose Lothario, Brute Bernard, uh, Thunderbolt Patterson, Boris Malenko. Uh, and he wanted to know if these guys would sometimes make it up to Oklahoma. You know, you'd think, uh, that they would common sense would tell you that they should, cause it was just, it was some of those trips from the Dallas office to Oklahoma were shorter than some of the trips from the Dallas office to other towns in their territory. But you got to have sometimes, as I mentioned earlier on the show, sometimes two cooks in a kitchen is one too many. And, uh, I know Bill Watts used the Von Eric boys because TV, the Dallas television is very strong in Tulsa and Oklahoma city. And the, and there was a two good towns for the, for the two talents to, for those talents to work, but it didn't, it wasn't really reciprocal. 
and I don't really know why that. I think that was a decision on Fritz's side. You know, these old alpha males, man, they're sometimes they're stuck in their ways. And I'm not saying that Fritz is more uh, of an alpha male or more stubborn than Watts, because he probably wasn't. But a lot of them just, you know, it's my way or the highway. But they should have worked, and some sometimes they did. Sometimes the Von Erics would come over to Shreveport to do television. Wasn't a bad drive. I drove. I remember riding back one night from a Shreveport TV uh, back to Dallas with uh, Chris Adams. And so, uh, so it's, it was done, but probably not as much as it could have. It could have been a lot better, I think. Uh, and he saw their loyalty because when when uh, you know when Mid South or UWF could, we we ran Dallas opposition that didn't have to happen but it did moving on to ricky may ricky says i know it's been said a million times but you really were the voice of my childhood i thank you for that ricky that said my question is do you think we have any big stars in the making and when i say big stars i mean someone that transcends the wrestling world such as hogan flair macho man austin rock cena vader etc uh, and, and also Ricky, appreciate you listening to the show. Ricky's in Cincinnati. By the way, I'm going to be, I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be, uh, up in your neck of the woods in June, uh, for a little softball activity, which is kind of, kind of fun. Uh, Ricky, I, I can tell you, I think that, uh, there's inevitably going to be somebody somewhere in wrestling today that we don't know is going to be as big as they, they become the answer. The problem I have with your question is I don't know the answer. I don't know who's going to take ownership of their career, uh, become a little bit selfish at times, uh, continue to improve their game. Don't find their comfort zone and live in it. Somebody's going to do that. It's the obligation of creative and all these companies, the bookers, the creative people to make that happen. And in order to do that, it's got to, it's got to be utilized via long-term planning and, uh, somebody has got to get hot, getting hot simple. could be as simple as until you figure out something as simple as getting another win. So, uh, but I think it's inevitable. Somebody will become the guy or the woman or the, or the team it's there to do. Somebody's going to do it. I just don't know who it's going to be. Again, you wait for somebody to take over, take ownership of their career and, and affect it in every single way that they can. And it's easy to say, well, the promotion helps so-and-so back. When you take that backdrop, there's no promotion there telling you how high to go. Take a good arm drag. You feed a comeback. Are you up, you down, you up and down. There's nothing there to tell you can't be sharp and crisp. So it has nothing to do with your push, quite frankly. So we'll see, Ricky. I think so. I think the answer is yes, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Chuck P says, my question is, has there ever been an angle from the territory days uh, when you had to shake your head and say, how did they pull that one off? And, and how did they get away with that? Well, uh, I, yeah, the, you know, the, the couple of things, uh, when Junkyard Dog lost a match where he had to leave the territory, and he came back as, and I had to go find him in a junkyard as Stagger Lee, who was JYD under a mask. Uh, that got over, and I, it wasn't because I was thinking 
Well, everybody's going to know that's JYD. Anybody else looks like him, walks like him, same tattoos. But that wasn't the point. The point was Watts wanted them to know that was JYD. And that if the mask of Stagger Lee was pulled off, then JY, if that was JYD, he would be suspended for life. And so it was a very personal and very easy to understand, very easy to explain storyline. It got bigger than I thought it would. And I know that last stampede, you know, uh, is not big on today's standards perhaps, but the last stampede, uh, had a million dollar week in a small territory. So, uh, that was pretty phenomenal. I, I even got the referees in those matches and one of those matches with the uh, cowboy and staggered Lee against the midnight the great midnight express and the even greater Jim Cornette. And I think that was one where Cornette had to, they, they dressed him in a, in a diaper. Or he had, he had to drink out of a baby's bottle or something. Hell, I don't know. Uh, can you imagine if they had that nipple of that big old calf, like a little calf's b- a bottle as long nipples, you know, like you would on a, a, the mammary gland of a cow. Can you imagine what people did with that nipple before Cornette used it? I shudder to think. There had to be some precautions taken for that. I don't know why I thought of that. That's pretty gross, though. Whew. Anyway, uh, that was an angle that got over really big. And it was kind of, when, when I understood the meaning and why they did it, it made sense. It wasn't supposed to be a secret. I hope you guys are enjoying uh, this uh, spinoff of our one of our regular podcasts, focusing on so much of the uh, the mail. The old David Letterman viewer mail, listener mail here for us. And uh, we thank all of you that's participated. Uh, a few more to go here. Alex Herring wants to know about Reeser Bowden. Uh, enjoys our show. Uh, he's been watching Mid-South on the WWE Network. I was wondering if you could share some ring announcer Reeser Bowden stories. Reeser uh, was the booth announcer for the lack of a better term, sorry, I got another name now for w, uh, KTVS in, uh, Shreveport channel three. That's where we did, uh, all our, uh, inserts, the commercials that, and the breaks where I, I would interview or whomever would interview the wrestlers about a match coming up in new Orleans or Baton Rouge or wherever. So for years, Reeser who worked during the daytime as this, uh, booth announcer, you know, he would come, you'd hear these voices, these, these, uh, the big voice guy, you know, uh, stay tuned for the news, that kind of thing. So, uh, Reeser did that because he was local. He was there and, uh, he was a sharp guy. Uh, never was a big wrestling fan. I didn't perceive might, might've been, I didn't know it, but Reeser was, uh, it was almost a stretch for Reeser to be doing wrestling because he got so much exposure. So you all of a sudden for a broadcaster, sometimes being known as the wrestling guy is not the most flattering, uh, description that one can receive in major mainstream media because for many, many years, and it's still this way to some degree today that there's a media bias to some degree that wrestling is still carny, uh, you know, slide of hand, uh, slippery people and all this stuff. So, and that's unfortunate and it's wrong by the way. But so Reeser, I remember one time, uh, uh, he didn't know exactly what the out was going to be. And, and some wrestler did something and he left a little bit early 
or late, depending on your perspective. So there's like a two seconds or three seconds left in the, in the, in the, in the segment. And Reeser got the ball back, so to speak. And with about three seconds left and wasn't prepared for it. And I'll never forget. He was so angry that he said, you guys left me sitting here like a plate full of piss. So Reeser Bowden, one of his claims, claims to fame other than his silky smooth voice and demeanor, uh, was you guys left me here looking like a plate full of piss. <laughs> he, he was a nice guy. You know, he did, he worked for cowboy. Did he did the ring announcing and, uh, then, you know, eventually it in, in the heat spot. Here comes good old JR. So this kid, the new kid's going to do the interviews. So that got knocks Reeser out of work. Then at the, then the ring announcing, uh, remember there's a time there in, on mid South where Boyd Pierce and I would alternate, alternate weeks of being the ring announcer. I hated being a ring announcer, horrible at it. Boyd was great at anything. So, uh, Reeser Bowden, you left me sitting here like a plate full of piss. I assume that's kind of flat and kind of nothing. All right. Continuing on here. Uh, Casey Piercy, Casey Piercy, uh, question about, uh, Earl Hebner and Pat Patterson, not together. I don't think a story started, uh, Earl and, and Dave, his brother, the two twins taught me something, uh, about wrestling and being on the road, uh, that could be very useful to some, some people. And it was that even plus size women needed love too. They didn't say it quite that genteelly, but I got the drift. And I think they kind of espoused to that mantra. Plus size women need love too. Pat Patterson, on the other hand, had no, no comments of that regard whatsoever that I've ever heard. Uh, and, but Pat was as good a finished guy as you'll ever see. You know, he's brilliant, really brilliant in feeling the crowd, feeling a match. He could, and the thing about those guys like Watts and Eddie Graham and Patterson and so many other great bookers, uh, you know, Jerry Lawler was a great booker. Uh, you know, it was the fact that they could visualize things so vividly that they made it easier for them to explain to their, the people, their inner circle, including the talent. So, uh, and Pat was just, a, he just could visualize the finish and how it's going to feel at a certain moment. And he was, he stayed his course with his philosophical beliefs that once you get them as high as you can get them, go home. Don't lose that that once a match all time crescendo to try to do more because he's lost it. So one of the sharpest guys I've ever uh, been around Pat, this had a birthday. He's a Capricorn like me, I think born in January. I'll probably see Pat at the call for alley club. I hope it's right down his alley. He loves coming up there and sing karaoke. He's pretty damn good at it too. Uh, Chris, Gagner, Chris, I've already screwed your name up, buddy. G A G N E R. It looks like Gagner to me. Of course, I used to say uh, Vern Gagney all, when I was a kid because I couldn't how to pronounce Ganya. Looked like Gagney to me. So, Chris, there you are, buddy. That's my excuse. You want to know about WrestleMania 17? Uh, 
And his question is, how did you feel about uh, Stone Cold's heel turn that started at 17? I, I mentioned this before, Chris. I didn't like it. I, I thought it was ill-timed. I thought it was unnecessary. I thought it was a, a knee-jerk to creating uh, – it's a knee-jerk reaction instead of creating more opponents that could threaten Stone Cold uh, in the ring. Like you would have that heel factory, like they had it, like WWF had it for Bruno and Backlund and all these cats. Like Florida had it with, with Dusty, another opponent, another opponent, another opponent. So uh, you, you had your you had your your uh, standard in Austin, and I said this in meetings that probably got me a dirty look or two based on the fact that the decision was essentially made. I said turning Austin heel. It's like casting John Wayne to be a Nazi in a war movie. It is a complete, utter disconnect that nobody's going to buy with any passion or that without any emotional attachment. They're turned off by it. Mark my words. That's what happened. Hey, it got to be where it's funny, but we all know that if you're, you're the funniest guy on TV and you're cast as a villain, somebody has creatively dislocated my consciousness of that deal. What the hell? I don't get it. If you're so entertaining that you make me laugh and make me laughter generally, uh, generally, uh, connects to happiness. So if you're basically making me happy and you're making me laugh and I get a chuckle out of it, then why now again, am I supposed to dislike you? Oh yeah. Disconnect. So I didn't like it. Uh, Chris, I didn't think that was the right thing to do. And, God, we tried hard. I got I got so damn many of his knuckle marks on my head two days later in Oklahoma City that it wasn't even funny. Damn. I thought he had a flashback to a bad payoff. Holy God, he's heavy-handed bastard. <laughs> hey, and I ain't saying this hiding behind this big old microphone here. I told him that before. He laughed, too. He thought it was funny. Got to make it look good, kid. Got to make it look good. <laughs> We're on TV, you know, I said, yeah, we're on tape television, taped television. It could be edited, edited around a bad punch. Well, but we, yeah, he dropped some bombs. If you get a chance to go back and watch that angle again. And then when, uh, we had to have a spot to where he could take me, rip me open. And, uh, so I suggested that it, that would be a Vince interrupt and Vince came out, give him more instruction, you know, open him up or whatever he said. And while the camera's on vents, zip zip, there it went. It was a sleight of hand that old David Copperfield might be uh, happy with. So it worked that night in Oklahoma City because I had family and friends there that saw me get the living shit beat out of me. Some of them probably got a laugh out of it. But the overall turn was ill-fated. And look, sometimes you don't know until you try it. It was tried. It just didn't work. Got a mailbag question here from Damian Lynch, uh, who lives in Adelaide, Australia. Greetings, sir. Uh, thank you for creating a great podcast. We thank you for listening. Uh, I love hearing your thoughts. I love sharing them, Damian. Uh, I'd like your opinion on 205 Live and where the show sits in WWE. Uh, I, I am a fan of of the talent on 205 Live. I love the guys that are in that size range 
I was raised in a junior heavyweight territory in Oklahoma that was owned by a former junior heavyweight champion, and it was patrolled by the toughest junior heavyweight champion or any champion, Danny Hodge. So I like the uh, cruisers, the 205s, the junior heavyweights, whatever, whatever cute little word you want to put on them. But I think that being trying to get over and establish who you are as a star, uh, with most of that exposure coming on the WWE network is challenging because I, the audience is not as, uh, as vast as you would get on raw or SmackDown. So, uh, after saying that, and I've suggested this before that there's, especially on raw, it's three hours long. There just seems to be like, there's no reason that you can't get some star cruiserweights on that show in with some positive exposure to help get them over to be seen on Monday night raw in a favorable light, uh, is the great rub. And therefore the most more promotion you can get on, uh, Monday night or Tuesday night with these stars that you want to build and, and create a, an awareness of, uh, it should help your ratings on, on uh, Wednesday night when uh, these shows air. So at least that's my take on it. You, you, there's just no reason that with, with long-term planning and that, uh, you can't have time on SmackDown or, or raw for at least one match of, uh, of this group. And if you don't do it, you're going to, it's going to take longer and longer and longer for somebody to catch on. There's some really good talents on 205 Live that a lot of fans, common average fans, have never seen work until they wrestle on Monday or Tuesday night. Alex in Los Angeles. Alex says he's been a big fan since he was young. Uh, and he likes my iconic cowboy hat. <laughs> uh, I've been shopping around for a cowboy hat, says Alex. And do you have any recommendations? Which hat did you wear during the Attitude Era? I have uh, one of those hats left from the Attitude Era. And those hats were Resist All, the Resist All brand, uh, 100X. Uh, that means it's a really, really high grade. I think they're around uh, 750 bucks last time I looked. But uh, I have my now I have my hats made at a place in Oklahoma city in the Oklahoma city stockyards area called shorty's cowboy hattery. And that's an old school, uh, hattery. Uh, some of these animal lovers are not going to like this. I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend anybody, but, uh, I have my hats are made from hundred percent beaver and they come in in a big, like a pelt all treated and everything. Then they're made into a hat in Oklahoma city there at the stockyards shorty's cowboy hattery. And those custom-made hats and that uh, high grade, the, the best available, is about a thousand bucks. I I haven't given as many away lately as I have in the past, because the damn cost has gone crazy. But uh, I, a lot of I donated hats to a, a charity auctions many times in the past. Uh, but boy, when they're a thousand dollars a pop, you can afford to do that occasionally, no doubt, and you should, no doubt. But all the time. Mm. And my pockets ain't that deep. So, uh, but resist all is really a good hat. The old brand that people 
it's like saying you, you want a Coke and you get them a Coke and say, no, I wanted a Pepsi. Well, you said you Coke. No, you mean Coke's a generic term. Uh, and Stetson is a generic term for these hats. I never wore Stetson. And, uh, but people thought I did because I had a real nice hat on resist all was my brand. Thanks to stone cold. Uh, got two hats for Christmas, two years in a row. Loved it. And that might've been Deborah's sensitivities, not Steve's <laughs> knowing Steve, but I sure appreciate it nonetheless. And that hat, by the way, is not for sale. Uh, and finally, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with our experiment of doing these, the Q and A's and checking out your mail, uh, Kofi mania question, Kofi Kingston chance to make some history this uh, Sunday. He and Daniel Bryant should be a, have an amazing match without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, and they're both great guys, good people. They're the kind of guys you want in your locker room. And I still am of the belief in my personal opinion that, uh, traveling too far down a racial road, racially charged road is not the way to present the storyline. That's my own personal opinion, but I do know that both these guys are, are great guys to be in anybody's company. They're great for your locker room and with their passion and their motors and the fact that they're both maybe in the eyes of some of their peers, even overachieving, you know, Daniel Bryan, not the biggest dog in the fight. Kofi Kingston, he's been around 11 years, hardly ever got a cup of coffee and now they're there. And you can bet your ass, you know, they're going to make the most of it. So, uh, anyway, uh, William wants to know if does Kofi need, if Kofi does not win the title, does the WWE need to give a, some sort of a controversial finish? I don't think it's a bad idea to have, to have a controversial finish, but I guess it really depends on what your definition of controversy is. I think Kofi trying something big, if he's going to lose, and he crashes and burns because of his overzealousness and his, his heart, his passion carrying him away that, uh, and he misses something major that Daniel Bryan is, uh, is quick to, to, uh, capitalize on. That's, that's one way. I don't have an issue with somebody missing something in the, in their hustle and in their efforts, they miss something big and then boom, uh, it's countered in wrestling, a wrestling hold and you're beaten by your opponent's finish or a viable finish. It doesn't make me roll my eyes. Uh, I think this match has got a chance to be really, really good. So that's how I see that matter with Kofi. Uh, you know, I'd love to see him win it. I think it'd make a lot of people happy. I think it'd make the disgruntled Daniel Bryant, the new Daniel Bryant, even more pissed off and angry. And then he's chasing. And when he's chasing, he could be a very dangerous guy. So Kofi would be a very marked man from the get go. Uh, because of the man he beat to become the champion. So a lot of ways to look at that. But, uh, I, I again, if Kofi wins the title on Sunday, I, I would, I could be very, made very happy. Uh, not to say that if he loses, I'll be disappointed. Maybe disappointed that the opportunity passed him by, but certainly not disappointed in what I'm sure we're going to see. So, Hey, that's why they have the matches, right? And hopefully, uh, the, the creative will stay a secret and those that in the, on the internet and those that do the, uh, uh, uh you know, uh, other wrestling pro wrestling related content, 
on newsletters or, or websites or whatever, hope they don't find out because they have, they seem to have a lot of leaks when it comes to things like this. And I, that really, I'd love to, I'd love to see, uh, Vince, see all these leaks and then change the finishes at the gorilla position on the way out. See what that would do to the, uh, psyche of your fragile talent. But that's not what we memorized. No kidding. Ding, ding, ding. Feel it. Go do it. Memorize. Oh, and while you're memorizing your wrestling match, did you also learn to use cursive? Because this whole thing is childlike if you do that. So that's uh, that's what we got for you this this week, folks, on these uh, questions. I appreciate the Jim Ross at gmail.com is our address. The Jim Ross at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, we appreciate you uh, participating. And maybe we'll do it again. Maybe we'll do it again. Hope you enjoyed the show today, everybody. A lot of big news have passed your way and shared with you. Uh, I appreciate the uh, kind words from many of you regarding uh, me uh, joining the team at AEW. We'll have more to talk about with that in the days to come. A lot of exciting things going on all weekend in New York City and Jersey. Uh, the King and I on uh, at the Gotham Comedy Club on Saturday. Uh, GothamComedyClub.com or at the door has your tickets. Uh, the VIP meet and greet starts at 10.30 and the uh, Q&A with the King and I on stage at noon on Saturday. And then, uh, of course, on Sunday, uh, I'm going I'm to be joining the guys for the two-man power trip. Uh, big show there uh, Sunday morning of WrestleMania starting at 10 o'clock in the morning. And that show on Sunday morning will be at the uh, Midlands Plaza Hotel in Secaucus, New Jersey. Again, we're getting at 10 o'clock. Uh, really a who's who at that one. Uh, so you get your tickets to the door for that too if you choose to. Uh, Monday, after Raw, Murmur Theater in Brooklyn, near the Barclay Center. Bruce Pritchard, BrucePritchard.com, Conrad Thompson, myself, first time ever. Uh, tickets are selling very well for that. We'll have a big crowd, but tickets are still available. And for all these events, folks, uh, tickets will be available the day of the show at the dough, okay, at the door at the venue. Uh, so there's that, uh, uh, just, a great, uh, respect, uh, from me to the media guys that have helped support our, uh, transition from WWE to AEW, uh, Justin Barrasso, SI sports illustrated. I uh, did a nice piece that came out on Wednesday. Uh, actually doing a feature on, uh, uh, the behind the scenes of, of WrestleMania in 98, HVK and Stone Cold. He brought up some interesting points that I hadn't thought about in a long time. And a uh, compelling topic, no doubt about that. So thanks, Justin. Uh, Nicholas McGee at Sports, Sporting News helped us out uh, on a story there, an interview I did uh, regarding Ronda Rousey, I think. Uh, Sean Pendergrass, my old buddy, with CBS Sports Radio uh, on Sunday night, uh, had us on. Uh, and we talked a little bit about AEW and things. Great listen. Great. If you're a sports fan, you got to listen to Sean. Sunday nights, CVS national. And then, uh, Thursday, I'm going to be talking to old buddy, Brandon Kravitz down there in, uh, Orlando at the game. A lot of things, you know, WFAN, the fan this Friday at two. And of course I'll be remiss. Uh, Taz at eight o'clock on Friday morning. Can't wait to catch up with him. Uh, wonder if he's still angry. I don't know. I'm kidding. Uh, I love Taz. He's doing good, man. I'm proud of you. I really am. And, uh, of course, then on uh, this Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern time and repeated in the afternoon, 
I'll join uh, Dave LaGreca and his cast of thousands in the studio in New York City for uh, Busted Open. So a lot of fun coming up. Boy, days are good, huh? Good, a good time to be a wrestling fan. I'm so damn happy to be a wrestling fan. I'm so happy to be a part of the team again, a team. Get back on the road. Yeah, get out of the house. Not act my age. <laughs> it's going to be great. Going to be great. Uh, again, you can find our show every Wednesday. It, it escapes, it drops, it's released, whatever the hell you want to say. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you get your Slobber Knocker audios, where you find us. We appreciate those uh, five-star reviews. They're always appreciated. And, uh, again, finally, email for us, thejimross at gmail.com. Uh, that's a, how to get a hold of us, how folks do today. we got a big sale ongoing uh, this weekend uh, at prowrestlingtees.com slash jimross. All the talents from a variety of promotions – Around the globe, they have their stores at, with ProWrestlingTees.com. Uh, and so their business is supported through ProWrestlingTees.com. And you can support your favorite talents uh, by simply going and shopping. For me, it's ProWrestling.com slash Jim Ross. We've got a lot of shirts, and we're going to have shirts and other merch at all of our uh, events this weekend. So a, a lot of busy things going on, folks. I'm blessed to be alive. I'm, I'm thankful that you guys are with us. I will have Conrad Thompson with me in some form or fashion. My God, is he bringing his cheeks? He's going to bring the cheeks, Mr. Barnett. He's bringing the cheeks. He's going to bring all four cheeks and a couple of chins, as a matter of fact. So until next week, everybody, have a great weekend. Safe travels to all going to New York and to Jersey. And I'll see you there, I hope, at some point in time. So until then, remember to do something nice to somebody that's unexpected. And that our tomorrows are never guaranteed. From Oklahoma City and the Mighty Cat, I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross saying so long, everybody. Jordan B. Peterson has a podcast with lectures and interviews and his daughter, Michaela Peterson. Please welcome my father, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. Podcasts, again, give you that long format, multiple hours. Turns out you guys have an attention span. <laughs> Who would have guessed it? The Jordan B. Peterson Podcast with Michaela Peterson. Listen and download for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio from the Westwood One Podcast Network. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.